a small box fashioned from cedar wood with complicated rollers and brass dials. Lustig claimed the contraption could copy banknotes using radium. The big show he gave to victims was sometimes aided by a sidekick named Dapper Dan Collins, described by the New York Times as a former circus lion tamer and death-defying bicycle rider. Lustig's repertoire also included fake horse race schemes, feigned seizures during business meetings, and bogus real estate investments. These capers made him a public enemy and a millionaire. America in the 1920s was infested with such confidence rackets, operated by smooth-talking immigrants like Charles Ponzi, namesake of the Ponzi scheme. These European con artists were professionals who called their victims marks instead of suckers, and who acted not like thugs, but gentlemen. According to the crime magazine True Detective, Lustig was a man who society took by one hand, the underworld by the other, a flesh-and-blood Jekyll Hyde. Yet he treated all women with respect. On November 3, 1919, he married a pretty Kansan named Roberta Norette. A memoir by Lustig's late daughter recalls how Lustig raised a secret family on whom he lavished his ill-gotten gains. The rest he spent on gambling and on his lover, Billy May Scheibel, the buxom owner of a million-dollar prostitution racket. Then, in 1925, he embarked upon what swindling experts call the big store. Lustig arrived in Paris in May of that year, according to the memoir of U.S. Secret Service agent James Johnson. There, Lustig commissioned stationery carrying the official French government seal. Next, he presented himself at the front desk of the Hotel de Crillon, a stone palace on the Place de la Concorde. From there, pretending to be a French government official, Lustig wrote to the top people in the French scrap metal industry, inviting them to the hotel for a meeting. Because of engineering faults, costly repairs, and political problems I cannot discuss, the tearing down of the Eiffel Tower has become mandatory, he reportedly told them in a quiet hotel room. The tower would be sold to the highest bidder, he announced. His audience was captivated, and their bids flowed in. It was a scam Lustig pulled off more than once, sources said. Amazingly, the con man liked to boast of his criminal achievements, and even penned a list of rules for would-be swindlers. They're still circulated today. Lustig's Ten Commandments of the Con 1. Be a patient listener. It is this, not fast-talking, that gets a con man his coups. 2. Never look bored. 3. Wait for the other person to reveal any political opinions, then agree with them. 4. Let the other person reveal religious views, then have the same ones. 5. Hint at sex talk, but don't follow it up unless the other fellow shows a strong interest. 6. Never discuss illness unless some special concern is shown. 7. Never pry into a person's personal circumstances. They'll tell you all eventually. 8. Never boast. Just let your importance be quietly obvious. 9. Never be untidy. 10. Never get drunk. Like many career criminals, it was greed that led to Lustig's demise. On December 11, 1928, businessman Thomas Kearns invited Lustig to his Massachusetts home to discuss an investment. Lustig crept upstairs and stole $16,000 from a drawer. Such a bare-faced theft was out of character for the con man, and Kearns screamed to the police. Next, Lustig had the audacity to trick a Texas sheriff with his money box and later gave him counterfeit cash, which attracted the attention of the Secret Service. Victor Lustig was a top man in the modern world of crime, wrote another agent called Frank Seckler. He was the only one I ever heard of who swindled the law. 
Yet it was Secret Service agent Peter A. Rubino who vowed to put Lustig behind bars. Rubino was a heavy-set Italian-American with a double chin, sad eyes, and endless ambition. Born and raised in the Bronx, Rubino had made his name by trapping the notorious gangster Ignazio the Wolf Lupo. Rubino delighted in seeing his name in the newspapers, and he would dedicate many years to catching Lustig. When the Austrian entered the counterfeit banknote business in 1930, Lustig fell under Rubano's crosshairs. Teaming up with gangland forger William Watts, Lustig created banknotes so flawless they fooled even bank tellers. Lustig Watts' notes were the super notes of the era, says Joseph Bowling, chief judge of the American Numismatic Association, a specialist in authenticating notes. Lustig daringly chose to copy $100 bills, those scrutinized most by bank tellers, and became, like some other government, issuing money in rivalry with the United States Treasury, a judge later commented. It was feared that a run of fake bills this large could...